Amen. Aren't you grateful? Emmanuel, God with us forever, forever and forever. Well, let me invite your attention Luke chapter 1 today. Unbelievable invitation. Uh, I've received many invitations in my life. I've been invited to play some of the greatest golf courses in America you could ever play. Never dreamt I would have those opportunities, but those unbelievable invitations came my way. One year, Ange and I were in Washington, D.C. We wanted to take a tour of the White House, and because of meetings and other issues, we weren't able to do that. So we were denied that opportunity. Two months later, I received an invitation on a Sunday afternoon to come to a meeting inside the White House. Unbelievable invitation. I received also an invitation one time to go back to the high school I graduated from and preach a Sunday night worship service for the graduates of that high school. It it was an unbelievable invitation for me because uh, going back to the school and standing in the gym that I graduated in, being able to preach the word of God and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Beyond those... As a young boy, the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, convicted me that I was lost. I didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And Jesus gave me an unbelievable invitation to put my trust in him and to be saved and forgiven, have the assurance that I'm going to heaven. And the Lord Jesus, as a young boy, saved me on our basement steps. It was an unbelievable invitation. Years later, as a result of discipleship and spending time in God's Word and being sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the Lord called me into Christian ministry, to the gospel ministry. It wasn't a career decision. It wasn't how much money you're going to make or not make. One of the benefits didn't have any of those issues weren't on the table. But Lord Jesus, you are calling me, you are inviting me to follow you and to be a preacher of the gospel. It was an unbelievable invitation for me in the Christian life. And now for you, what unbelievable invitations have you had in your life? That's what the Christmas story is about. Emmanuel, God with us, he's giving us invitations to follow him in life. See, the goal of the Christian life is to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in preaching, in ministry, we need to be invitational as we carry out what God's asked us to do. Because when you look at the behavior of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was always inviting people to make some kind of the decision. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said to a group of fishermen one day, I want you to leave everything behind and I want you to Come and to follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It was an invitation for them to follow Jesus. Luke chapter 19, he's walking down the road in Jericho. He looks up in a tree. He sees a rich tax collector. He called him by his name, and he said to him, Hurry, come down. I must go to your house. It was an invitation that changed Zacchaeus' life. Mark chapter 6, Jesus had sent his disciples out to serve. Then he called them to come back together with him, and they were sharing stories about the ministry. And then Jesus gave them this invitation, and he said, I want you to come with me by yourselves to a quiet place, and I want you to rest. It was an invitation from Jesus to his disciples. He always invited people to make a decision. As I live my life, a couple of things I want to make sure happens in my life. One of those being, I want to have invitational conversations. If I'm in a conversation with someone and the Holy Spirit leads, I want to make sure I invite that person to say, why don't you look at our website and see what God's doing in our church? 
Why don't you join us for a connect group or a Sunday morning worship gathering? Now, why, don't you, why don't you join us for this other event, whatever the event may be? Or why don't you start reading your Bible, start in the Gospel of John? What about your relationship to Christ? If you don't know him, are you willing to pray, put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Invitational conversations. Monday, last week, I was in Orlando, Florida for a pastor's conference. Monday afternoon on the 18th Green Bay Hill Golf Club, home of Arnold Palmer, the late great Arnold Palmer. The caddy who had been working with us that day, we had had numerous conversations around 18 holes. We come to the 18th hole and I say, Jose, is there anything keeping you from giving your life to Jesus Christ right here on the 18th green? It was an invitational conversation. And I gave him an invitation and Jose said, nothing at all, I'm ready to do that. And right on the 18th green, Jose prayed and gave his life to Jesus Christ last Monday afternoon. Invitational conversation. I believe when you preach and teach God's word, you should be invitational as well. That's why I try to every sermon, every Bible study. I want to make sure I give an invitation. Give your life to Christ. Trust him as your savior. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ in believer's baptism. Join the fellowship of our church because we need one another in a Christian life. If God's calling you into Christian ministry, obey him. You say, well, I don't know what that means. Trust him. Follow him. He'll give you direction as you follow his leadership. Invitational conversations, invitational preaching. As you and I come to this phrase today, Emmanuel, God with us, what does that mean for us? It's a phrase that changes our lives, really. Here's what that means for us today. If you look at your life today and you say, I didn't realize life could be this great. I didn't know life could be this good. I didn't know all the breaks in life were going to go my way. If that describes your life, here's the good news. God is with you. But on the other hand, you look at your life and you say, I didn't know life was going to be this difficult. I didn't know life was going to be this unfair. I didn't know that the breaks would not go my way, but go someone else's way. I didn't know those doors were going to be slammed into my face. I didn't know life was going to be this challenging. I've got good news for you today, and here it is. God is with you. And then for many people in the room, maybe some who are watching, you find yourselves at a fork in the road. You've got to make a decision. But are you going to go to the right or to the left? Which decision are you going to make? And you're saying, I just want to know which way to go. Here's the good news when you come to a fork in the road in life. And the good news is this. You know what it's going to be. God is with you in that decision. You don't have to make it alone. God is with you. That's what Emmanuel means. Now, I've done a lot of funerals in my life. And preached a lot of funerals and desired to be used of God to bring comfort to people and to share the gospel with people. And pretty much every funeral that I've ever done in ministry, I've always read the 23rd Psalm. Because God uses that to comfort people in such personal ways. But in many of these funerals I've done over the years, somewhere either at the beginning or the end or the graveside, somewhere we've been able to sing the hymn, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. I like that hymn because amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, now I'm found, I was blind, but praise Jesus, now I see. That's why his grace is so amazing. And so when you and I come to the Christmas story, we see it overflowing with the grace of God. When we think about Emmanuel, God with us, God is showing us his favor, but also his grace. Angie and I were at the conservatory recital 
on Friday night. And as we were sitting over here, we, we heard student after student who were young musicians coming, and they were leading us in worship songs. Many of them, one of them was singing about the goodness of God. I never get over the goodness of God in my life. Another one was singing for us, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. What a great worship hymn for us. And then many came and were sharing with us, whether it's guitar, whatever the instrument may have been, sharing with us the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. His grace is amazing. Now, when you and I look at the Christmas story, I want to invite you to write down these things, write these things down. Why is grace amazing? Let me give you some insight to that. And I want to do it from God's word. Number one, grace is amazing because it saves. When you think about the saving grace of God in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writing to a group of believers in Ephesus, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not yourself, your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. Please understand this. Here's why grace is amazing. You and I aren't saved by human effort. We are saved by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen. We're saved by grace. Look at the second one, equips. You and I are equipped by the grace of God. Second Corinthians, let me read this passage to you. Second Corinthians, Paul writing to a group of believers in Corinth. And uh, they had some issues, they had some challenges, but he's going to give them a word. Second Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 7, he's talking to them about God loves a cheerful giver. Again, you'll never outgive the Heavenly Father. Be faithful in your giving. And then he says this, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You and I serve Christ, we're used of him, not because of human intelligence or effort, we serve and God uses us because of his equipping grace in our lives. You teach a class, you serve as a deacon, you lead in the music ministry, I preach this sermon. We do so. Why? Because the grace of God, his grace is amazing. Then look at the third one, sustains, the grace of God sustains. Second Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle Paul Again, writing in Second Corinthians 12, verse 7, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. And then Paul shares his heart. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, and here's the word, My grace is sufficient for you. And then he went on to say, For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There are people, here's what I know about your life. You're facing challenges, storms, adversities. You've heard the word cancer. You're dealing with financial issues. There's tension in your family. There's issues. You think, how are we ever going to get over this? But please understand, the grace of God sustains you when life is at its toughest times. So his grace is amazing. Why? Because his grace saves us. His grace equips us, but his grace also sustains us. His grace is amazing. Now, when you read Luke chapter 1, why do I put so much emphasis on the grace of God? Because when you read Luke chapter 1, the Christmas story, this unbelievable invitation, it was that way because of the favor and the grace of God on Mary's life. And you say, well, what do we know about Mary? Well, the Bible doesn't have a lot to say about Mary. 
But here's what it does say. For Mary was this young woman who had a tender heart for the Lord. The Lord spoke into her life. The Lord gave her this unbelievable invitation. And Mary surrendered her life to be obedient to what the Lord asked her to do. She was a young woman who was surrendered to God in her life. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we should worship Mary, but you and I should respect her. Why? Because one, she's the mother of our Savior, but also she is a role model for a surrendered life in obedience to the Heavenly Father. Can you imagine the life of Mary? You just imagine this. When she was at his birth, naturally, because she was his mother. But also she was at a wedding in Cana where he was at one time. And she ultimately said to them, listen to what he's going to say to you. And then she said to those who were at the wedding, do whatever he says. That's a great word to any of us today. Whatever the Lord Jesus asks you to do today, then you do it. Why? Because this is the Son of God and Savior of the world asking you to do this. Do what he says. And then can you imagine this? Yeah, in Bethlehem, she was there when he was born. But also at this wedding when he was turning water into wine, taking care of the needs of the guests. But then she was there when he was crucified for the sins of the world. Can you imagine what that would have been like for his mother? Seeing them humiliate him and beat him. And then drive nails into his hands and feet. A crown of thorn over his head and a spear piercing his side. She is watching her son shed his blood and give his life for the sins of the world, for your sins and my sins. She was able to see that. And then I think about sometimes as I read Mary's story, again, not a lot of of information given about her life, but what what would it have been like for Jesus to grow up in your house? I, I just think sometimes what some interesting things must have happened. I imagine maybe somewhere in my creative mind, I think maybe she came to him one day and he was playing and said, Jesus, would you go down to the village store and get some milk? I want to cook something. I don't have any milk. He says, I want to continue to play. And Mary says, Jesus, I'm your mother. I want you to go down to the store and get some milk. And he says, I want to continue to play. And she said, Jesus, as your mother, he said, just go look in the refrigerator again. Imagine what he could have done. I mean, he could do anything, you know. He's the son of God and savior of the world. But what was it like for Jesus to grow up in your house? But Mary gets this unbelievable invitation. And I want us to walk through that here. Look at number one with me. Hear God with a listening ear. As I think about Luke chapter one, I think about God as this incredible plan for your life. I would imagine there are people listening to me in the room or online, you'd say, it's hard for me to believe that Almighty God would have a plan for my life. And here's why. Look at all the sins I've committed in life. Look at all the failures I've got in life. Look at all the mistakes I've made in life. Look at all the ways I've lived life like God didn't even exist. How could he have a plan for my life? And God has a plan. If you will listen to him with a listening ear, God has a plan for your life. Let me give you some insight into the story. Number one, different direction. As you look at the story, the Bible says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent. God is always going to send people. He's going to send you and me across the neighborhood, going to send you and me around the city. He's going to send us around the world. God is always going to send his people. And in this context, he sent the angel Gabriel to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man by the name of Joseph. He's sending the angel to Mary. Her life is getting ready to go in a different direction. 
God's going to speak into her world, into her life. Mary probably thought at this stage of her life, we'll talk about more of this next week, her and Joseph were going to get married, they were going to settle down, they would live happily ever after, and and they were going to have a wonderful marriage and a wonderful family. And then one day, this angel shows up in this village of Nazareth. He speaks into Mary's life, and the angel is going to give her direction to say, God's taking your life in a different direction. Let me ask you this, what do you do in your life? When Almighty God speaks into your life, into your situation, and He wants to take your life, your future, in a direction you had not thought about or planned. What do you do in the midst of that? I encourage you, as you think about what God's doing, make sure you know how to listen to what what God wants to say to you, listen to the voice of God, but also make sure you're open to say, God, whatever direction you want to take my life, I am ready and willing to obey you, whatever you ask me to do. In this context, the angel is going to show up in, in, in the village, going to speak the name of Mary, and going to challenge her about going life in a different direction than she had planned. One, one Black Friday, you know, it's crazy, Black Friday. And so angels and I were out. We stopped at a red light. There was a car up in front of us. And, and they were, there was a car here, and then there was another SUV in this lane. And whoever was in the car in front of us knew the person in this car over here. And this person was doing everything possible to get this person's attention. I mean, they were waving their arms. They were blowing the horn. I thought they were going to get out of the car and go over there. They even pulled up trying to get the attention. But the lady over here never noticed what this car was trying to do. And Angel and I had one of those spiritual moments sitting at this red light. And we said, you know, here's this person's trying to get this person's attention, doing everything possible to get this person's attention. No recognition of this person at all. And we said, how many times has God tried to speak into our lives? And we are so zoned out, we miss what the Heavenly Father wants to say to us in life. We miss it. And what happens when we miss the voice of God? Many things happen. We miss special times with Him. We're on a pathway to wreck our lives because we often find ourselves going in the wrong direction. Or we miss what God wants us to do in life. The purpose he has for us. I encourage you, make sure you listen to God's voice. Know how to hear him because he wants to speak into your life. But he also wants to take your life in a different direction. Number two, ordinary people. When you look at this, when you listen to God with a listening ear, you're going to realize he wants to take your life in a different direction. You're also going to realize he uses ordinary people. Not superstars, not merely celebrities, just ordinary people. The angel came to this village named Nazareth and to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Mary's just this young woman, ordinary person, but God is going to use her in great ways. I want to encourage you, never limit what God wants to do in your life. You say, you know, I I don't have a lot of skills. I don't have a lot of education. And you can give a list of things that you don't have, but God still wants to use you. When the favor and the grace of God is on your life, he will do things in your life you can never ask, think, or imagine in your life. But here's what I encourage you. When you look at the Christmas story and the life of Mary here in Luke chapter 1, you need to realize there are going to be times your job description is going to change because God's going to speak into your life. He's going to take your life in a different direction. And then you find yourself saying, I just want the favor of God on my life. Well, if you say that, do you really know what you mean? 
Well, absolutely, I want the favor of God in my life. I want His grace in my life. I encourage you that if you want the favor of God in your life, that is a wonderful prayer. But if you want the favor of God in your life, it is going to cost you when the favor of God is on your life. You must be ready to pay a major price when the favor of God is on you personally. It seems like a simple thing. Oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. A great word, but it's going to cost Mary significantly. We'll see why in just a moment. But he uses ordinary people. And again, you may look at your life. You've sinned against God. You've made mistakes against God. You've lived like he doesn't even exist. God still wants to use you in your life. I mean, I could walk through God's word and you look at Moses. Did God use Moses? Moses had a speech problem, but God still used him. I mean, you look at David. David had a moral problem, but God still used him. I mean, you just go through scripture. Peter had a mouth problem, but God still used him. And the list can go on and on. People who had weaknesses and flaws in life, but God still used those individuals. So kids, students, adults, in the room and those who are watching, God uses people like you, ordinary people. The favor of God is on, and God wants to do great things in your life. He uses ordinary people. Then number three, spiritual potential. Your life has potential in the sight of God. You have more potential for him than you even realize. Mary's life, why did she have potential? Two things, the presence of God and the grace of God in her life. The presence of God was there. The grace of God was on her life. And Mary had incredible spiritual potential. You have spiritual potential in life as well. If you will obey and surrender and yield your life to God, he will do things in your life. You can't even imagine what he'll do in your life. I could give you story after story. In my own walk with him, I would have never dreamt that. But the goodness of God and his presence and grace allowed those things to happen. So listen to God with a listening ear. Number two, approach God with a teachable spirit. As you look at this story again, you're going to have to approach God and have a conversation with him and be willing to pray and ask God to use you and to teach you. But I want to give you some words here when you look at Mary's life. Look at number one, genuine humility. Mary was someone that she was just an humble, gentle young woman. In this context, oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at the saying. Trouble doesn't mean she doubted God. She was just overwhelmed that she was on God's radar screen. It was amazing to her. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You will call his name Jesus. Can you imagine what would happen in your life if the angel of God showed up and spoke into your life that you are favored, the Lord is with you, and this is what's going to happen in your life? Many of us would have needed a change of clothes if that happened. But here Mary is with genuine humility in her life. And she knew she was favored of God. The Lord was with her. She was just trying to discern what in the world is happening in my life. Humility. Cardiologists tell us that if you eat wrong, you don't exercise, you have too much stress in your life, it will lead to heart problems. There are many things in life lead to spiritual heart problems as well. But Mary did not have a spiritual heart problem. She had an humble, gentle heart about her that was obedient to what God asked of her in life. Somewhere you just got to realize genuine humility is a Christian. Number two, surrendered life. Mary had surrendered her life to the Lord, we're going to see. She was listening to God's voice, and she was not resistant. She was not negotiating with him. She had surrendered her life to God. God, whatever you desire out of my life, I'm going to obey you and I'm going to do. Are you surrendered in your relationship to the Lord? 
Now, what's going to help you hear him? What's going to help you be surrendered to him? I encourage you, you can't live a surrendered life. You can't obey God in life and keep this book closed. If you're going to be obedient to God, you're going to live a surrendered life. I encourage you, stay in the word of God every day of your life. Find you a place that's sacred for you that you can get alone, where you can talk with God, you can hear him. Make sure you are hearing the voice of God if you're going to have a gentle heart and a surrendered life. Those things happened in Mary's life. Then number three, biblical convictions. She had convictions about who Jesus was going to be, what was happening in her life. She lived her life with convictions, and here was the conviction. Nothing is impossible with God. And, and again, the, the explanation was given about how this was going to happen. The Holy Spirit was going to come upon her. She was going to see. She was ultimately going to give birth. You're going to call his name Jesus. Insights were given to that. But she realized, convictions was, nothing is impossible with God in life. I remember one time, this was overwhelming for me. I'd been called to make a hospital visit. And I walked into the area of the hospital in the ICU waiting room. The mother was there. Her daughter was in intensive care. And the mother said, I'm so thankful you're here. What I would love for you to do, if you can walk into the intensive care unit, and would you just pray over my daughter and ask God to spare her life? And so I walked back in the intensive care area. I walked into her room, and when I walked into her room, her, her sister-in-law was sitting there beside her bed. This young, young, young lady... Uh, on life support, and this sister-in-law sitting there beside her bed reading the words of Isaiah to her as I walked in. And it just ministered to me so much. And then I'm listening to her reading the words of Isaiah and just pouring her heart out with tears streaming over the word of God. And then I'm going to pray for her. And I remember when I was standing there and going to pray, and I just thought, God, why do I do this? Why do I walk in an intensive care unit, this young lady here in the bed, asking God you to spare her life and to comfort her family? Why do I do this? And here's how the Holy Spirit worked. You do this because nothing is impossible with me. Nothing's impossible. And so when you find yourself in those situations and you pray, you have biblical convictions, you say, God, nothing is impossible with you. When we pray, when we worship, when we read your word, God, there's just nothing that you cannot do. And I want to give you these insights because we think about the virgin birth of Christ. And these are extremely important because it's a biblical understanding. Let me get you to fill these blanks in. Why is the virgin birth so important for us as we think about Emmanuel, God, with us? Number one, it affirms a belief in the authority of God's word. Encourage to fill those blanks in God's word because if we say the virgin birth doesn't happen, then we are questioning other parts of the word of God. When we believe with conviction the, the virgin birth, we're saying the word of God is true. Why? Because the Bible says the Son of God, the Savior of the world, was born by a virgin. We are affirming the word of God. Number two, it shows the personal ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was at work in the life of Mary. The Holy Spirit's at work in our lives. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Number two, it teaches that salvation is about God's grace. 
You're not saved by human effort. You'll never give enough money. You'll never work enough. It's the grace of God. We've talked about that in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is at work through the grace of God. Number four, it testifies to the unique sinlessness of Jesus Christ. Folks, I don't care what popular culture says. I don't care what books try to convince you and me of. Jesus Christ never sinned in his life. He is the sinless son of God. Only Jesus could go to a cross and pay for your sin and my sin. Why? Because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. He never sinned. The virgin birth teaches us we need those biblical convictions. Now, look at number three. Obey God with a servant's heart. As I ask you about your life, again, you're a kid, you're a student, you're an adult. Are you living God's way in your life or are you living your way? What Mary's going to testify us here in just a moment is she was living God's way, not her way. Let me give you these insights from Mary's life. Number one, role model. She's an incredible spiritual role model. Son of God, Savior of the world, mother of him. She is an incredible role model. When I grew up, I had role models. If you walked into my room as a young boy, you'd realize many of your role models are, are athletes. I had their posters up. I had baseball cards, football cards, basketball cards. Had all those. Why? Because athletes were role models for me. And you look at this text and you think, here, Mary is a role model because she comes and nothing's impossible with God. And then and Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. She is a role model. What is her title? It is not celebrity. It's not. It's the servant of the Lord. What is your title? When somebody introduces you, what do you say? I'm a teacher. I'm a business owner. I'm a pastor. I'm missionary. Whatever the time. No, no. Mary says, I am the servant of the Lord. I'm grateful at this stage in my life that my role models have radically changed since those days. My role models anymore aren't, aren't really athletes or celebrities or sports stars. They're servants of Christ. Now, many of them may be that. But they're servants of Christ. They live their lives for the Lord Jesus. And that's how I want to live my life. Make sure your role models, we all have them in life. Make sure your role models know Christ and they're servants of him. Great person to follow in life. Christ, but also others around him. Number two, zero excuses. When you look at Mary's life and the Lord talked to her about giving birth to the Son of God, the Savior of the world, you give him the name Jesus. She never gave excuses why that couldn't happen in their life. Many of us, we're missing what God wants to do because we give him all these excuses. Well, God, I could never do that because I'm not old enough. God, I could never be used that way. I don't have enough education. God, I could never do that because I don't have enough experience. Mary gave zero excuses. May it be to me as you have said. Lord, I'm just your servant. If that's what you want to do in my life, I'm surrendered. You work in my life the way you desire. Zero excuses. And then number three, radical obedience. Let me make a statement today. We're going to reach our world for the gospel. It's not going to be because of slick Christianity. If we're going to reach our world with the gospel, it's going to be because of radical Christianity to Christ. Uh, We've we got to be radical when it comes to obedience. And here Mary is living her life. All this happened, taking her life in a different direction. Nothing's impossible with God. Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Radical obedience in Mary's life. But let me ask you this. How many of us this morning, kids, students, adults, how many of us are willing to live radically obedient to Christ? And here's what I mean by that. 
You may look foolish in the eyes of the world, but you're obedient in the eyes of God. Do you realize when Mary said, let it be to me as you have said, and I'm a servant of the Lord, I'm going to do that. Do you realize what that could have cost her in her life? She looked foolish in the eyes of the world. It could have cost her her life because the appearance of living immoral, radically obedient to the Lord. I'm going to do everything the Lord asked me to do. When you look in the Word of God, you're going to see many, many people in the Word of God. In the eyes of the world, they looked foolish, but they were champions for the Lord God himself. Can you imagine what it was like for Noah? God said to him, I want you to build an ark. Can you imagine how foolish that looked in the eyes of the world? Can you imagine Abraham? God called him to go up Mount Moriah, sacrifice his son. Can you imagine how foolish he looked in the eyes of the world? Can you imagine Caleb, 85 years old, it's retirement time, go to the beach, kick back, rest, relax. He's 85 years old. No, no, Lord, give me another assignment. I'm not done yet. Do you know how foolish that looked in the eyes of the world? Can you imagine Sarah at her age in life shopping for maternity clothes? Do you imagine how foolish that looked in the eyes of the world? Can you imagine for Peter getting out of the boat, walking on water, how foolish that looked to others around him? And then, folks, can you imagine for Jesus, the Son of God, going to a cross, giving his life for you and for me, nails piercing his hands and feet, blood flowing from his body, crown of thorn pressed over his head, a spear piercing his side, how foolish that looked in the eyes of the world. That's what Paul said in the book of Corinthians. What did he say? For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Church, aren't you thankful that those individuals, they were willing to look foolish in the eyes of the world to be obedient to God in life? Aren't you grateful that the Son of God was willing to look foolish in the eyes of the world and go to a cross and give his life and shed his blood for you and for me? Thank God for the cross. Are you willing to look foolish in the eyes of the world to obey the goodness of God and for his glory? Are you willing to look that foolish in the eyes of people? Here's what I want to ask you to do. Invitational conversations, invitational preaching. I'm going to ask you clearly today. If you're in this sanctuary, you're watching online, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, he's giving you an unbelievable invitation. And that's to turn from your sin and put your trust in Christ and receive his grace and be saved today. If you need to follow him in believer's baptism, unbelievable invitation. He's inviting you to step out and to share your salvation publicly. Follow him in baptismal waters. Be obedient to him. That is a great invitation for you today. Join the fellowship of this church. Wonderful church. You need God's people to grow in the Christian life. He's inviting you to step out and to join the fellowship of this church. Unbelievable invitation. But will you obey him today? He's calling you to ministry. God's got a plan for your life. He wants you to go in a different direction. Are you willing to live radically obedient to him? It's an unbelievable invitation. Will you obey the leadership of God in your life? You say, well, I look foolish in the eyes of people. That's okay. Because you want to be obedient to God in your life. Will you obey him this morning? We're going to bow together and we're going to pray. So I want to encourage you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment.
And as we do that, I just want to encourage you, even right now, we're going to stand up in just a moment and we're going to sing one of the great Christmas carols of the Christian life. But I want to ask you, will you be willing to look foolish in the eyes of people? And if that means giving your life to Christ today, obeying Him in baptism, joining this church, saying yes to His call on your life, will you obey the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life today? Lord Jesus, I pray we'll surrender everything to you today. Mary lived a life of surrender. I pray we'll live a life of surrender because you're giving us unbelievable invitations. And God, I pray in this invitation, we will see the fruit of that today because of the activity and work of your spirit. Thank you for Mary's life. Thank you for so many others who live radically obedient to you. And God, I pray we'll do that today as well in this invitation. And we ask this in Jesus' name.